Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, good morning everyone and welcome to the uh, to our class. And uh, if you take your Bibles and turn to Genesis 19, we're going to study this morning about the last part of this chapter, which is verses 24 to 38 of Genesis 19, the history of Lot, the continued history of Lot. And so let's look to God first in prayer. Father, thank you so much for, again, Lord, taking the time to write down every word, handpick every word, set it all out for us, Lord, like a a beautiful pictures as we turn in this book, the Bible, Lord, We study one picture after another. Help us this morning to learn your lessons from what we're going to see this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Let's see. Genesis chapter 19, beginning verse 24. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities, that which grew upon the ground, and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord, and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain, and behold, and beheld, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as a smoke of a furnace, and it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. And Lot dwelt up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him. And he feared to dwell in Zoar and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, our father is old. There's not a man on the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine and we will lie with him and we will preserve that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine. That night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesterday night with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also. And go thou in and lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. The firstborn bare a son and called his name Moab, 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 which means from the father. The same as the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger, she also bare a son and called his name Ben-Ami. 
son of my people. The same as the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. Okay, now, in our last study, we finished by seeing the root problem with Lot, which was this statement that he made in verse 18, Genesis 19, 18, where it says, and Lot said unto them, oh, not so, my Lord. That's an absolute dichotomy. It's an absolute impossibility for a believer to ever say those words, not so, my Lord. It's either got to be not so, or it's got to be my Lord. You can't have those two together. And that was the root problem with Lot when he said, not so, my Lord. It revealed a problem inside of Lot. See, because Lot tried to make his life pleasing to himself. He tried to have a life that pleased himself. If Lot liked God's direction, then Lot said, yes, my Lord, that's what I want. But if Lot didn't like God's direction, then Lot said, like you said in this verse, oh, not so, my Lord. Lot was told by God, flee to the mountains. That's what it said in the verse before, where it says, it came to pass when they had brought them out forth abroad, that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. See, that was the instruction of God. Don't look back. Neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. But Lot tried to find an alternative. He tried to find an alternative to God. And so he he argues with God in verse 19, and he says, I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto. It's a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. It's not a little one. My social live. He's arguing with God. It's a very, very bad problem that Lot has. He wanted to live with one foot in the world of Sodom, and he wanted to live with one foot in Abraham's world with God. And what we've seen is what we've seen, what we continue to see is what happened to him, which is really what happens to a believer who thinks that he can get away with this, who thinks that he can live with one foot in the kingdom of this world and enjoying what the world has to offer and one foot in the kingdom of God. Lot was what we would call a halfway believer. He was a half-hearted believer. He wasn't fully committed to God. And in the end, what we see with Lot is the end of every believer who thinks that he can really get away with living with one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the world and say to God, oh, not so, my Lord. See, that's, a, that, that's characteristic. Now, the believer who tries to live his life with one foot in the world and will end up with, there's two words, what we see so clearly here in the life of Lot that describe this believer, this halfway believer. And the two words are, that person is the betrayer and that person is the betrayed. See, those are the two words that describe Lot's life. He is the betrayer and he is the betrayed. The last picture that Scripture has for Lot is right here in Genesis 19. It's a very complete picture. It's a very detailed picture, and it's a very sad picture. It's a sad picture of a wasted life. It's a sad picture of a person who betrays and a person who is betrayed. First and foremost, Lot was betrayed by his own heart. The Bible's description of the heart of man is a description of Lot's heart. It's a description of my heart. It's a description of your heart. It's a description of every heart in Genesis 17, 9, where God says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That word deceitful is very important. That's the word akov. 
Akov is translated here deceitful, but it's also translated in Isaiah 40, verse 4, crooked. It's also translated in Hosea 6, 8, polluted. Those are very graphic words to describe this word akov, deceitful, crooked, and polluted. And those three words describe the human heart. It's crooked because it's not straight. It's fraudulent. It's polluted by this world. Every time the heart rises up, you know, it's interesting how in Matthew 15, it uses this word that what comes out of the heart proceeds up, the Lord Jesus Christ said, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. And they defile, they make the man dirty, the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts and murders and adulteries and fornications and thefts and false witnesses and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. See, that phrase that he's using there, proceed up or come forth from. You know, every few years we have to uh, pump our septic tank. That's a wonderful experience. And you don't want to be downwind when, when, when we have this. And, you know, it's right on our house and everything. And we're thinking to ourselves, you know, we've been living over this, you know. <laughs> this is like uh, where we live, you know. And, uh, and, and terrible odors come out of there. We, we tell the, the neighbors beforehand, so they may want to take a go out or something like that. There's all these horrible odors. That's the picture of our heart. That's the picture of our heart. The heart of man is as defiling and polluting as a septic tank. And there's a second word that God uses in Jeremiah 17, 9 to describe the heart, and it's the word which is translated desperately wicked. That's the Hebrew word anash, anash. That word is used to describe what happened to the child that Bathsheba and David had when David committed adultery the first child before Solomon, the, when David committed adultery with Bathsheba, and it says in 2 Samuel twelve fifteen, and Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. That's the word anash. It was very sick. Anash is translated there, very sick. Because in the few verses down, in verse 18, it says, and it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. So from the context, we understand that anash means not just any old sickness. It means a sickness you don't recover from. It means a terminal illness. It means a terminal sickness. That's why the word anash is translated in Micah 1.9 by these words, for her wound is incurable. That's the word anash, incurable. So anash means incurable. It means terminally sick. And when you plug those two meanings of the words akov and anash into Jeremiah 17, 9, you could read it like this. The heart is akov. It's deceitful. It's crooked. It's polluting. Above all things, and anash, desperately wicked, incurable, terminally sick. Who can know it? See, those are the two words from Jeremiah 17, 9 that describe my heart, describes your heart. It describes Lot's heart, Akov and Anash. And our heart is Akov. It's deceitful, crooked, polluting. Our heart and Lot's heart, all of our hearts are Anash, desperately wicked, incurable, terminally sick. It will mislead us. Our hearts will mislead us into death. 
Why would anyone want to discover their own heart? That's not a good discovery. <laughs> it's a, to discover a coven anash is not good because that's to discover the dying that leads into death. And why would anyone want to follow his own heart? To follow your own heart, your own heart that's a coven anash, is to follow what is dying and what is leading into death. It's dying with the pollution and it's leading into death. See, the world says those things. Discover your heart. Follow your heart. That's exactly what Lot did. Lot followed his heart, and God has included all of this chapter 19 here to show us what happens to the person who follows his heart. Lot's heart, our heart, the heart of man is a coven anash. It's a polluting, it's crooked, it's deceiving. And Lot's heart was incurably dying and misleading, that's deceiving, misleading Lot into death. It misled him, it lied to him. It held out a promise to Lot that it could never fulfill. Jim Elliott, the missionary to the, the martyred, who was martyred, who brought the gospel to the Aka Indians in Ecuador, wrote in his diary, he's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. See, what he was saying was that Jim Elliott was saying, he, Jim Elliott did this. He gave up what he couldn't keep after all, his possessions, his career, eventually his life, and so that he could gain what he couldn't afford to lose, the pleasure of God, the crown that reads, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, Lot's heart misled him by saying to him, Jim Elliott's statement, that's foolishness. That's how you waste your life. Lot's heart misled him by saying, Lot, look at this. It's all offered up before you. The wealth of Sodom. You can become a rich man here in Sodom. Lot, I offer you the pleasures of Sodom. That's what you really want, Lot. Lot, I offer you reputation. I offer you position in Sodom. That's what you really want, Lot. And with those offers, Lot's own heart misled him or betrayed him. And in the end, we see in Lot, in verse 30, and Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zoar, and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. See, Lot's heart betrayed him. It offered him this wealth and the brightness of this exciting city of Sodom. And instead, in verse 30, what Lot ends up with is the darkness of a cave. His own heart offered him security, and instead, in verse 30, he ends up in fear in a cave because his own heart betrayed him by offering him the pleasures of the world of, of Sodom. And instead, in verses 33 and 35, Lot ends up with the pleasures of incest. So first and foremost, Lot was betrayed by his own heart, the Akova Nash heart, dying in pollution and leading into death. Lot's heart deceived and met, misled him into thinking he could have a happy life. Oh, I'll just take my position. I'm smarter than the average bear. I can take my position between Sodom and Abraham. A little bit of Sodom's enjoyment without renouncing God and Abraham altogether. A little of the assurance of Abraham and God's eternal life without renouncing Sodom. Right in between. And Lot let his deceiving heart convince him that he could do that that he could have this position between Sodom and Abraham. And he kept himself sexually pure, as far as we could tell, in Sodom. But after Lot lost his city, his wife, his family, Lot let his heart deceive him into thinking that it's okay to let his guard down with his two uh, unmarried daughters into this forbidden pleasure. So, he, so God took all the trouble 
to give us this sad history in great detail of a betrayed lot in this chapter to show us it's impossible to live in a position between the world and God. It's got to be one or the other. And when God sees a Christian like Lot with a, with a halfway believing, with a position where he's trying to live between the world and God, God said what he does in, in Revelation 3, 15 through 16 when he says, I know thy works, thou art neither cold nor hot. See, in between. I would you were cold or hot. I would you were one side or the other side. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. He says, God says, I'll vomit you. You just, you, you make me, my stomach so upset. God says, when a Christian tries to live in between this, it makes him vomit. He says, I wish you were just 100% one or the other. Well, Lot tried the 50-50. He tried to live in between God and Sodom. And he was betrayed by his own heart that led him to try it. And he tried to live here. And what he did was he made the community of Sodom his community. He made the community of Sodom his community. And whenever a believer lives in a dark place, lives in a darkness, he has a responsibility from God to bring the light into that darkness. That's his responsibility. Lot was in the community of Sodom, and the community of Sodom desperately needed Lot to preach repentance toward God. Lot needed to preach repentance toward God. The community of Sodom would have repented, according to the Lord, if Lot had been like the Lord Jesus Christ and brought God's light to them. The Lord said that in Matthew eleven twenty three when he spoke to Capernaum. He said, And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Well, how could the mighty works have been done in Sodom? By God's called man, Lot, to bring the lights. As he told his disciples, you are the light of the world. So Lot betrayed Sodom. Lot also betrayed Abraham when Lot took the best land. And when Lot didn't obey God, Lot betrayed God by not bringing God's light to the community. So by not bringing God's light to the community of Sodom, Lot betrayed God, but Lot betrayed the community of Sodom. And finally, in the end, we saw that what goes around comes around, that Lot was betrayed by that own community of Sodom. By trying so hard to fit in and make the community of Sodom his own community, Lot ends up betraying the community of Sodom, and that community, see, he tried so hard, remember, he calls them brethren in verse 7. And that same community betrays Lot and ends up betraying him as they try to assault Lot's guests, as we saw Lot trying to argue with them. And then when they did, they ridiculed Lot for trying to be a judge over them. So Lot tried to live in between God's standards and Sodom's standards. And when he did that, he betrayed his own daughters by allowing them to marry men of Sodom. And finally, we saw that those same married daughters of Lot that he had betrayed by allowing them to marry these men of Sodom, those married daughters of Lot betrayed Lot. See, when they refused to leave Sodom when he called them to leave. And then we saw how Lot tried to live in between what God expected and what the people of Sodom expected. And when he did that, he betrayed his own sons-in-law because there's no evidence that he ever preached the gospel to them, the good news that they could be forgiven by God. And when he, he finally did preach to them to leave Sodom, 
Then finally, in the verse, we saw that, that he was betrayed by them. Wow, how? Because they mocked him. They mocked him when they told him that God was going to destroy Sodom and that they had to leave. So Lot betrayed his sons-in-law, and they betrayed Lot. Now, we've been talking about how Lot betrayed the community of Sodom and the sons-in-law, and finally, because they just, and we have to ask the question, why? Why didn't Lot really bring the gospel to them? Why didn't he bring the fact that they, could, that they should repent of their sins, that there was forgiveness of God? And it's because Lot just did not care about their spiritual condition. Lot knew that they had not come to Jehovah for forgiveness of their sins, but he didn't care. He didn't care enough to preach to them that they should repent and seek God's forgiveness. He was guilty. Lot was guilty of the sin of not caring for the lost. He was just too busy living his life to be concerned about the eternal destinies of who are they, the lost that are all around him. When the angels ask that question to Lot in verse 12, it's a very searching question. When they said, and the men said unto Lot, hast thou here any besides son-in-law, thy sons, daughters, whatsoever thou hast, which really should be whosoever thou hast, in the city, bring them out, bring them out of this place. That's a very solemn and searching questions that the angels ask Lot. Hast thou here any besides son-in-law, sons, daughters, whatsoever thou hast, bring them out of the city. What they were asking Lot was, Lot, hast thou here any besides? What they're really saying to Lot was, Lot, do you have any here beside yourself? Are there any here, others here? Lot, is there anyone else that you're concerned for beside yourself? Lot, do you care about the eternal destinies of anyone beside yourself? Lot, do you care for and are you concerned about whether you're, it will be heaven or hell for your sons-in-law, your sons, your daughters, or any acquaintance that you have in this city? The angels are command, and then they turn around. First they ask the question, and then they command Lot, whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. See, when we read those questions and the command, the angel spoke to Lot, we can hear God, he's speaking to us. We get the message here. Because when the angel said to Lot, hast thou any beside sons of the lost sons and so forth, we hear God saying to us, do you care? God's saying this to us. Do you care about the eternal destinies of anyone beside yourself? Are you concerned that your family, your friends are outside the Lord Jesus Christ and they're going to hell? Are you concerned for those people you come in contact in your business and you're going around with your, what you have to do and errands and so forth? Do you care that they are going unnecessarily to hell? Does that move you? And the question of the angels that asked Lot in verse 12 is when he said, hast thou here any besides, really boils down to two words, care and concern. Lot, do you care for any besides yourself? Lot, are you concerned for the eternal destinies of any besides yourself? And then the command that they give Lot in verse 12, whatsoever the house and city bring them out of this place, really boils down to a command. Lot, I command you to care. I command you to be concerned. Lot, I'm commanding you to care. I'm commanding you to be concerned for the eternal destinies of others beside yourself. Those same two words, care and concern, are at the heart of evangelism. That's what evangelism is all about. Do you care that your lost family and your friends and your acquaintances are going to hell? Are you concerned 
that your lost family and your friends and your acquaintances are going to hell, that they'll be cast into a lake of fire forever. See, that's God's acid test of evangelism. It's the same questions, really, God saying, you want to be evangelist? Do you, are you, do you care? Are you concerned? That's the same questions that the lost ask of us. When they look at us, and they say, why are you telling me this gospel? Do you really care about my soul? Are you really concerned for me? Or is this just some kind of religious duty that you have to do and you're doing? And when we bring the gospel to the lost, the lost are saying to us, let me look in your eyes. Let me look in your eyes when you tell me this salvation message. Let me see from your eyes if there really is a genuine concern and care for my soul. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051.